Hello again, fellow music lovers. Hope you're doing okay out there. We've got a great little show for you in here. First up, we're going to be talking about Achilles Navarro's and Cheshire Holmes's new LP, Heritage of the Invisible Two. Uh, it's a uh, it's a jazz record, and it's uh, it's pretty complex and pretty pretty. It requires a little bit of work, but we're gonna we're gonna help you out with that because we feel that it's something you absolutely need to get in your ears and in your life. And then uh, I'm going to be spinning a track, Jennifer Castle. She has a new album out called Monarch Season uh, that is uh, extremely chill, which is something I think we could use right now, especially as we sort of hurdle towards the end of this election season. So that's what we're going to be doing. Before we do that, I want you to make sure that you are registered to vote, that you have a plan to vote, and that you are going to vote. Or maybe you already have. If not, uh, IWillVote.com. Everything there uh, is going to lead you uh, to the polls and how to do this correctly. We have to vote this fascist out. So get out there, do your part, and hopefully on November 3rd, we will all wake up in a better America. So that is my pitch to you right there. Uh, And with that out of the way, let's get on with the show. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man Merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. Oh yeah, I, I didn't know. Oh yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty wild, but uh, it's yeah. a good documentary. Uh, also, I think we need to rename the uh, the podcast or something, something like Kevin and Wes's Jazz Hole. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's we just, yeah. we fall into it. Yeah, it's a true. little a little little more often than not. But look, man, we find ourselves in another jazz hole, and I uh, that's no mistake. In fact, I think it's kind of the fault of this little label out of Chicago, uh, International Anthem. Those uh, bastards. I think we can say – I think we might even say this every time we talk about a release from them. I think we can say they're probably – well, I know they're my favorite label at this point in time. I think they, you yeah. can say they're yours. They're, they're yeah. certainly, yeah, one of the top few. <laughs> um, There's – you yeah. know, for a long time, it was Numero Group, mm-hmm. uh, also out of Chicago. And, uh, you know, they did a lot of work. And they st- I mean, they still do a lot of great work. And I just sort of fell off them because those are like hyper-specialized, often looking back. Uh, they they curate these huge collections of stuff that maybe uh, some of it like like if you get into the the weird metal collections, I think the purpose is to show that not everybody makes it with some of those. Yep, <laughs> and, yeah. and and so it's good to hear, but like that's really collecting. But but international anthem is about stuff that you live with. Uh, we have talked about see Micaiah McCraven. We talked about. Uh, Junius Paul? No. No, we yeah. didn't end up doing that one. We wanted to. No, no, no. Um, uh, we talked Alabaster about Alabaster de Plume. Uh, Irreversible Entanglements. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is why we're talking about these two today, Achilles Navarro and Cheshire Holmes. Uh, trumpet and drums are their, are their main instruments. Uh, both of them of Afro-Caribbean descent. 
and uh, they're a, an integral part of the the bustling like New York jazz scene, especially now. Um, well, now they can't play out anymore. <laughs> Although I think they are playing a show. I was talking to Moore, who's yeah. hilariously on this. Uh, he's in the press release. He's one of the things quoted. He's like, "Yeah, I you know, noticed I'm, that actually. Yeah. I, I want to go see him, but nah, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but they uh, they've been playing on and everything, and they show up. Certainly, Reversal Entanglements. They met Luke Stewart and More Mother at a uh, at a benefit gig. That's how that band got started. They had done, uh, and I think this was back in like 90 or 2016, 2018. They had done one of these before, Heritage of the Invisible, where they decided like, hey, let's just make a record. I didn't have time to listen to it. I don't know if you had time to I listen did. to it. Yep. Uh, and and it's, it's a live album, but live sort of in the studio. Is that right? I haven't had a chance to look into that part. I think that it was actually a live thing, but one of those could like – Blending studio and live. I mean, honestly, kind sort of like, like Mackay McRaven or or Alabaster to Plume. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of like blending together these things where you're ending up with something that's, um, yeah, that is a live document, but also sort of studio. It, it, it yeah. I mean, it's really good, and we'll can yeah, add that yeah. perhaps into the conversation later. But yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, this one is Heritage of the Invisible Two. Um, it is a it's kind of weird album to talk about. Because when we talk about jazz or really music in general, we often have to consider like the statement it's going to make. I'm not sure that this, the songs themselves make a statement. I think the existence of this makes a statement. And the statement is about the brothership, the fellowship between these two and how they celebrate the culture and how you can just have an album that is a celebration of a culture you might not know anything about, but you and I don't. Right, that, that that was one of the barriers, like to like, oh man, how, how do we outsiders on this? Well, and, and it's a barrier to listening uh, to it as well. I think you know, I the the first track is called Initial Meditation. It's just sort of this drum explosion. It's it it still has not landed to me, uh, and and it's it has been initially was a barrier for me to get into this album. Um, and and that's on me. That is has nothing to do with with any of the players on this. Uh, but as you dig further into it, you see uh, a, a real relationship develop between these guys and the people they brought in to help assemble this. Very much like Makaya McRaven, there's a lot of like field recordings in here, and they're sort of putting stuff in studios, conversations, everything. I want to play the the track. This was the first single off of it, and there's a phenomenal video for it as well, which you don't often hear for a jazz release. Uh, there's a phenomenal video for it. Uh, features some sort of. Uh, some stylized dancing and stuff, but this is a little bit of Pueblo.
So you're definitely hearing there. I mean, th- these guys knew each other, uh, met in college, uh, music school, um, and you know, from my understanding, just kind of hit it off as as friends. But one of the things that just fascinates me about jazz, creative music, is you know, we've talked a lot when we're talking about these other albums about bringing your personality to your instrument and kind of saying who you are through what you play. Um, that's one of the most interesting things about this type of music and one of the most fascinating things, um, you know, about this this form of music historically is you get people, you know, it's, it's the kind of classic thing that people say about this album. You can get people, or sorry, about this type of music. You can get people who, um, you can have five people who don't speak the same language up on stage together who have never met before they step onto stage together and they can make something like that's that's what this that's how this works um that said there is definitely something that happens when people who know each other and then are expressing themselves through their instruments are coming together and that track definitely i mean it's it's a celebration of you know community and and of um you know love and togetherness um to those extents um but you can hear that these are players who know each other um you know they're, they're in sync yeah i i think the biggest thrill of this record to be found is the joy in the record. And it, it's palpable. It's palpable in every song. Um, there is, and these are terms that you don't often hear in a jazz record. There, there is like unbridled joy. There is humor. <laughs> you know, uh, there is a, a, the first listen through on this. It's, it doesn't even feel like a jazz album. It feels more like it feels more like a hip hop collage, which is what they're you know they're certainly pulling more of that into that in the jazz world in general is and vice versa, you know this it's always cross pollinated but this is this is sort of bubbling under the surface now of a lot of modern jazz releases, uh, and and you see uh, very little looking back to the past or or concern with it. Con- Concerned with the traditions, it's like a, it, it is just a pure shot of emotion from these guys of what they were feeling at the time, and that makes it kind of unlike any jazz record I've heard this year because of that. This is definitely – I'm honestly not entirely sure I've ever heard anything quite like this record, um, and that is in the goods and bads. You know, it, I'd, I'd say – you know. My main criticism of this album is that it can feel a little scattered at times. Um, you know, you can hear one track, and um, I guess I'll, I'll put it this way: you could take certain tracks. Like if I was playing part of this for someone, I could play part of one track and part of another track and part of a third track, and they might not know it's all the same album. You know, which when you're listening to it straight through, or certainly if you were there at a live event, I think you know can work really well. Um, as a yeah. listener, they can be, it can be a bit of a scattered experience. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and that and that is a thing um, why it's very hard to latch onto like what you're actually listening to. Yeah, because it is so scattered; it's all over the place, just like life. Man. It, well, and that's the thing. That's why I feel like you know. I mean, it is. It's why a track, you know, a title like Pueblo works for that track. You yeah, know? like it, it is. This is the life of this little area. You know that we're kind of looking into, peeking into but, from the outside. But you hear something like Pueblo, and then you hear something like uh, Navarro Holmes. Uh 
you've got about eight minutes of free jazz there. And um, but really showing off uh, the personalities of, of both of these guys and the people they're playing with, you know, um, this is to me something uh, that I would absolutely I, I would be going apeshit over it to see live. Like th- this is this is this is what jazz bands do live. This is what all bands should do live. But to, you know where you're pushing, you see the musicians pushing and pulling each other in different directions, and you see the personalities come out. And you see it happen in front of you. I mean, that's that's the point uh, of all of this. When it, like you said, you don't know that you've heard anything like this. When it ends up on a record, it is kind of confusing. Yeah, because this is not what we're used to in records. We're used right. to we're we're like I said at the top, we're used to like this has a very specific purpose. This is trying to say something. Nabaya Garcia's was trying to say something. Mikhail McRaven's was trying to say something. Harmony of difference. You know, trying to say something. Ashar Gamedza, I know you were about to mention him. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, I was not. <laughs> but uh, but yes, Ashar Gamedza uh, trying to say something, and and I know uh, that they there is meaning behind all these songs. They're trying to express something, but it's so it's so broad that that that's just like so it, it's disorienting, and it's disorienting in, in such a great way, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting thing. You know, when you first sent me to the, this album I remember you saying something along the lines and and, you know I think that you had only like just started to check it out and I think so it was probably just based on the first track um, which does have this kind of low um, I I don't know enough about how electronic music is made Um, it's almost a dubstepy sound or something like that so I don't you know I don't know how it was created but um, but this low kind of you know dubby um, warp to it Um, and I remember you saying something about um it being like kind of like like nine inch nails and um, influenced in some way, um, and you know I remember you you had mentioned them, and I was like, whoa, wait a minute, like that is not what I expected to hear from these guys. You know, I didn't really know what to expect, but it, but and and you know a certain amount of darkness. I mean, irreversible entanglements, like that's dark, powerful, angry, passionate music. Um, you know, so I'm not surprised. I wasn't surprised to hear a little bit of darkness in it, but just, you know, that wasn't what I expected. And the first time I listened to it, um, I really, yeah, I wasn't quite sure what to think because it was just, it wasn't what I expected. The other thing is that then when I read the press release, I was kind of like, oh, really? Like hearing you, like what the intention was is like, really like interesting. That's not really what I got. Whereas like one of the reasons the Shar Gomez record worked for me so well is that I heard exactly what they were attending out of it. Um, you know, and that worked for me very, very well. Um, this one, it's taken a little bit more reflection after reading that and, th- and listening to it again and thinking back on it and being like, okay, now I'm starting to see what they're doing, but it wasn't what I was hearing necessarily at first. Yeah. And, and that's just sort of what I was saying about like, you know, these influences, uh, Nine Inch Nails is a good, good reference point to that first track. Uh, and, and I think industry music in general, like, you know, at your peril, think that like a jazz musician of this caliber doesn't know that music or oh, is, yeah. is strictly listening. You know, yeah, these are they're, they're humans. Like they, right. we all grew up listening to like this stuff. Yeah, I definitely and, think there's know, a myth you, about jazz in general that like they only listen to jazz players. <laughs> That's the entire yeah, like the music literally at, exists because of not that. 
you look at like Cameron Graves, uh, right. you know, and and he's apparently got a, uh, basically a metal jazz. Yeah, album yeah. He, like, out. He, right. He plays in metal groups, and like, sure, you you listen to him, and like, I mean, the, when I was first um, listening to Cameron Graves, particularly his solo album, but you know, some of his work and Kamasi stuff and things like that, like, I was hearing so much Herbie Hancock and McCoy Tyner, and like, you know, mm. classic jazz pianists. Um, but then, right, you find out that he's super into metal, and it's just like, oh, cool. All right. Yeah, and I, th- I think for them to be doing this, it is is kind of reclaiming, uh, not necessarily like industrial wasn't a black art form per se, but like reclaiming this as a a, a thing that is for ev- every culture, you know, has this stuff in it. So you see more where it comes from, and a really interesting moment on this because there there are a lot of moments on that that are uh, remix heavy. If, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that electronic style. But then right smack dab in the middle of the album, they go traditional. is Monk. Uh, most only never knew, but you know, yeah. Monk. <laughs> <laughs> if you're working in the jazz idiom and you have M-O-N-K, like, yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and it's such a... For me, it's, it's not my favorite moment on the album, but it is a nice... It's a nice break. Yeah. It's like, like you're, you're, you're really uh, trying to digest this meal. And it's a really heavy but delicious and, and fantastic and complex meal. And something you just need to sit back from the table and take a break. And it's like, oh, oh, okay. And even, then you get right back into it. I think even if the album was a little more straightforward jazz and was more just kind of what you think of if you hear that an album was made by a trumpet player and a percussionist, like 
you know, that, that does give you a certain sense of what you think you're going to hear. Um, and especially like, you know, within the jazz world, like even in the, in the more free jazz, um, side, you know, that there's, um, fantastic, like Anthony Braxton and Max Roach did an incredible album together. Um, you know, that, that's absolutely amazing. Or like, um, you know, Coltrane and Rashid Ali, like making albums that that's just a horn and percussion. Like, so, so that's a thing, you know, it's, it's following in that tradition and yet so different from that tradition. Um, completely and and even if this was more of a traditional jazz album i feel like that would kind of feel like an interesting break in the middle of it yeah 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 for sure it's i mean nobody in this crew is known for doing that stuff yeah you gotta do it you, know, right. you play jazz you, yes. you gotta you gotta do it <laughs> that's one of the funny things like it's just so when i you know i i i went to college in new york city and and i was you know i, I was studying music as part of my studies i was not good enough to be studying jazz um but a bunch of my roommates were and a lot of my friends were um and it was one of those fascinating things where like yeah that trumpet player that you know um you know who's in the jazz program at the new school or like you know whatever it is like he's probably the best piano player you know and you don't tend to think about that <laughs> you know you think like i mean because it's just the thing like you know the guitar player for that indie band is probably not necessarily sure they might play a little piano or they they probably play some bass you know whatever but like mm -hmm. that's just not part of it in the same way you're not trained in the same way yeah it's a difference between songs and and, and instruments you know if if you if you are learning an instrument then you theoretically can play most instruments I mean, it's not. I remember back in the day, like people would be like, "Oh, do you play electric or acoustic?" Which is like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, then there's even weirder questions, like, "Oh, you play like guitar or bass?" And again, it's like, what? But it's like <laughs> it's just the same thing. Right. And I get where some people are coming from with that because. Uh, the, you know, to be a very skilled bass player, there are certain things that you can do on a bass that you can't yes. do on a guitar, and vice versa. Yep. But, but just like the idea that. If you know music and music theory and know how to apply it, uh, I don't know many musicians who are satisfied with just sitting on their own instrument. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can claim one that is like more important to you and maybe mm -hmm. one that you're even like objectively better at. Mm -hmm. But as far as like not not exploring all this other stuff, and, and that is a strength in this because they know enough – uh, they know more than enough to like involve people that are better at stuff than right. they are at certain things, but they know what they want to hear. I mean that that gets to the core of how how we make music and and how we make music that resonates with people is that you uh, you pick up a vibration and then if you're going to work with people, you convince other people <laughs> that that's true. That may yeah. be a cult, <laughs> um, but uh, I think it's a good cult. You know, the Kool-Aid might not be poison. It's just got a little LSD in it. There are worse things to do with your weekend. You know? Yeah, yeah. There there are worse things to do with your weekend. You know, I just watched a, a documentary on uh, Other Music, which was a record store in New York City. I don't know much about it besides the documentary. And I know that they took all my money when I lived there. Yeah, well, there you go. And and what you get out of this documentary is that it is it was such a remarkable uh, place of community uh, because they did not settle on just giving you like say here's the new Sturgill Simpson album. I think right. I mean one of the really funny things in the documentary is some guy came in and asked if they had Steve Ray Vaughan. They were just like no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no slight to Steve Ray Vaughan fans, right. but yeah, no, sure. but that but, yeah. that, but that ain't it. 
you you need spaces like that to help out and to represent yeah. uh, different communities other than yours. And I think this album works in that way. I'm sure these guys spent time in other music. There's, you know, the- my favorite thing about other music was that there was a section. You know, th- at this point, it was it was mostly CDs that I was buying, um, but there was a section that was just labeled out. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, that was it. Like, you know, it was my brother who first told me like, oh yeah, I've heard about this store, you know, like that's not far from like your school and stuff, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, no. And you know, there's this great bar called Swift across the street, you know, so it was like, yeah, go drink some whiskey at Swift and then go spend money you don't have at other music. Like that's, it was the best thing. But when I first saw that, that whole section just labeled out, I was just like, okay, this is my kind of store. And this is an interesting thing because... I think this album is perhaps better labeled in the out section than in the jazz section. You know? <laughs> right, right. It's it, it, yeah. It again, if you're looking for something, that, um, if you're looking for kind of blue, mm. you, this ain't it. This is not. Th- yeah, no. This, this ain't it. No. This ain't this ain't even like the epic or or any right. any any modern jazz we're talking about. But if you're looking. Uh, for something that like channels the true spirit of what jazz is supposed to be about, especially free jazz, then this is one thousand percent it. This yeah. is this is this is where it is. This is where it lives, um, and you can hear it in all their work. But to have that peel back a little bit uh, and just focus on those two and their friendship and and their ability to communicate is mm-hmm. is fascinating. It makes for one of the better releases of this year, I think. It's yeah, certainly is one of the more interesting ones, and one of the one that I think is really worth spending some time listening to and digesting and thinking about it. You know, one of my one of the things that I kind of wonder with this album to an extent. Um, so I really, I, I really, really respect Irreversible Entanglements, but it's not easy listening. Um, and on, it's, on two fronts, on two fronts, there. Yeah. it's not easy listening because it is. Uh, it's it's abrasive and obtuse. Partially, yes. I mean, you hear that on this from them. You do, but also, but also because it's it's confrontational. Exactly. with social issues, it is very very in your face. Um, and so yeah, and, and I mean yeah, when I say it's not easy listening, I'm saying that like ninety eight percent complimentary. Um, but it is also just like. I, I did not spend as much time. Um, I have not spent as much time with with their albums as I have with a lot of other releases, just because it's just really intense. And like you know, we got a lot of intensity going on in our lives right now. And the things that I'm putting on more frequently, for the most part, with a few exceptions, tend to be um, just a different feel. Um, that said, I know some of my friends for whom like the irreversible entanglements albums are like you know the, like the highlights of the last few years um and i'm really curious what their reaction to this album is going to be my guess is that they're going to like it a lot but i also wonder i mean cuz i kind of feel like i mean in a way irreversible entanglements is a metal band uh, or a, like a, a hardcore punk band um in a different type of way you know if you're shifting away from what that means musically historically into what it means from an attitude perspective like that's the punkest shit i've heard in a while. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. 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 That and uh, clipping from last year. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Come out. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Both very yeah, confrontational in your face. Like that. Yeah. And I think both come from the same place. Yeah. Uh, very, very much from the same place. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel we're going to see a lot more come out of this. Uh, Luke Stewart plays on everything, but I wouldn't be surprised if he has something else coming out soon that hmm. follows along this vein. If, you know, to use a, uh, a, a big movie metaphor. If like the irreversible entanglements are the Avengers, 
you know <laughs> they got they got a, they got to build out like the adventures of of the individuals um and and the one thing about those is that all those people uh were still superheroes yeah they they just weren't coming together and yeah. and, and i think these guys are these yeah. guys are these are motherfucking jazz superheroes they are yeah yeah so um go out and get this and you're going to do some work that's all you're gonna have to do some work, but go out and get this, and you will be rewarded. And then, uh, if you want to talk about it with us, hit us up, and we'll talk about it. But uh, really, just you know, chill, keep digging, keep digging, keep digging. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and come back and uh, finish this. Heritage of the Invisible 2 is available everywhere you buy fine records. I suggest you go out and get your copy now. I'm going to be picking up mine soon from uh, Acme Records right here in lovely Bayview, Milwaukee, wherever you want to call it, where we live. Uh, so go out and do that. And then hopefully once all this pandemic is over, they'll be out on the road and we'll be able to catch a show because, like we said, this is that stuff lives on stage, uh, in my humble opinion. Uh, before we get out of here this week, I want to spend a track from you from now. I'm spending a little bit of time with Jennifer Castle's Monarch Season. She is a singer-songwriter from Ontario who uh, kind of reminds me of, of our friend Marion McLaughlin. Uh, sort of her songs interact with the natural world. She, she's concerned with the natural world. Uh, this album is about how uh, we transform and there is – beauty inside us regardless of the former it's it's just a lovely lovely album reminds me a little bit of uh, jessica pratt's work uh and it is i think like i said what we need right now uh as we're in a rolling a stressful little time <laughs> to put it to put it mildly so maybe uh th- maybe this is going to help you out help me out and i think it's helping a lot of people out here is the title track off of jennifer castle's monarch season it's monarch season I see the wings and everything I can't keep my mind from flying away with them They even dance on the waves I could take a picture but who's to say I capture it clearly Nothing but net and a hole inside The butterfly days are here. The butterfly days are here. The butterfly days are here. I see them folding on the wind.
Jennifer Castle's Monarch season there. Hope you're in a, in a chiller place now that you've heard that. That's out there now, too. So go out and get that and uh, light some candles or something. Stare outside, open the windows. Uh, maybe not here in the Midwest. It's a little it's a little cold here already. But it is, you know, late October. So so there you have it. And there you have it for this episode of Discologist. If you like what you heard, please do us a solid and go out and support your local arts, uh, your artists, your restaurants, your everything in your community. Get out there and support them in any way you can uh, so that when we get on the other side of this whole thing, uh, they'll all still be there. And we can go and hang out and everybody can sort of look back and then at 2020 and be like, hey, wasn't that bullshit? Yeah, sure. And then clink a beer and, and uh, eat a really good meal uh, with your friends. Uh, so, so do that for us and uh, for yourself. Coming up in the next few weeks, uh, we have more explorations into stuff that maybe we forgot or maybe we should have never done. Uh, the Doors, the Eagles, stuff like that. And uh, maybe a spooky little Halloween episode. So stay tuned, kids. Uh, be safe out there. Uh, be respectful of all your people. Wear a goddamn mask. And uh, most importantly, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. Talk to you soon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi! <laughs> <laughs>